But yeah, okay. So, I want to share, two years ago, I think it was two years ago anyway, we, we had a, well, we didn't have a word. It is a word that is written. But we were given the word about a shaking that was going to occur. You remember it two years ago. And I'm just going to, I'm going to back, backtrack a little bit with some of the words that God has previously spoken uh, and some of the things that he said in previous years. And I just want to kind of summarize that and bring it up today. But I want to read this to you. This is the Mirror Bible, and it's in Hebrews 12 and verse 27. So you know this, you know this verse, but it's a little different in this Bible. So this is, this is what it says. Yet once more, I will shake every unstable system of man's effort to rule himself. God clear, clearly indicates his plan to remove the old and replace it with the new. This second shaking supersedes any significance in the first shaking. Then it was a physical quaking of the earth. Now, the very foundations of every man-made system is, will be, was shaken to the core while the heavens were impacted by the announcement of his permanent rule on earth as is mirrored in heaven. So I just want to just hear that. So there's a shaking going on. This version says there was a shaking that happened, and that was before Jesus was born. But when Jesus was born, because there was an announcement, wasn't there? When Jesus was born, there was an announcement to the whole world that everything was going to change. The moment Jesus was born on the earth, there was an announcement to the whole earth that everything was going to change. And that announcement was an announcement of the permanent rule on earth as it is mirrored in heaven. At that moment, that's when that announcement came. That's why all the shepherds were quaking in the boots when the heavenly host turned up. That's why the kings and the magi came with gifts from all over. That's why the star was shining brightly. That's why all those things happened, because at that moment, Jesus changed everything. And ever since that time, there has been a shaking. That shaking has been going on through the generations. And now the shaking is getting even greater. And of course, we know, and I think I've spoken about it before, that, you know, really we shouldn't be surprised that there is this shaking going on. I think everyone's agreed that there is a shaking going on. There's a shifting and a shaking going on. Are we all agreed about that? We, we can all see it. Can we all see it? Can we all hear it? Okay, that's good because that is happening. And it's a big shaking. But this says, uh, I mean, I love this. It says, now the very foundations of every man-made system was shaken, is shaken, will be shaken to the core. While the heavens are impacted by the announcement. That's a beautiful thing. So there's, a, there's something going on. There's a shifting and a shaking. And I always remember uh, the, the situation about Harry. And of course, I, I've, I've told this story before, but I think it's worth the telling again. 
when there was the earthquake in Nepal, Harry rang me and he said that one of his daughters was missing during that quake. I don't know if you remember it. At the time, I was in Norway and he rang me. And of course, you can imagine how dramatic that telephone call was. And everything in me got angry. I was angry because if you've ever been to Nepal, and some of you have, it already suffers greatly and has suffered for many, many years. You know, what, what we're going through is nothing to what some people in the world already go through. They've been going through it for years and years and years. So, so they were already being shaken and going through all sorts of persecutions and sufferings. And then Harry rang me and told me that, and I was angry. And I remember the Lord saying to me, Son, do you not remember what I asked you to pray? And of course, immediately the Lord's prayer came into my, into my mind and my heart. And he said, I haven't changed my mind. The kingdom of God is still going to come upon the earth. And now you have to pray, son, that the shaking and the shifting that has happened will bring forth new life and other things. Because even the plates move. You understand me? The plates move. When there's a shift in, everything moves. And the plates moved in Nepal, literally moved. So that some villages were completely, they, they went completely. You couldn't find them anymore. But at the same time that that happened, some things were released within the earth and out of the earth that came as a treasure into the country. Which is amazing. And of course, when shaking and shifting happens, that is what happens. That is what is happening in you. You are being shaken and things are happening on the inside of the inside of you. And riches and treasures and wonderful things are being seen. And those things that aren't so wonderful are being seen as well. Are they? Those things that aren't so wonderful are being seen as well. But the shiftings and the shakings and the Holy Spirit is, we know it's internal first. It's not external, it's internal first, then external. The kingdom of God's here first and then external. So, there was announcement anyway of his permanent rule, which is beautiful, isn't it? There's going to be a permanent rule. And I don't know who you think that permanent rule is going to be, but it ain't going to be someone we don't like. Do you understand me? He is going to be the permanent ruler of all things, everywhere. Now, that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. That's good news. So, then you remember, and I, I don't know, some of you may remember, you may not, but I had a picture of a vortex, a whirlwind. And when I saw that vortex and that whirlwind, I believe the Lord said to me, and I, I, it was an impression that I got that five months, that five years would be pushed into five months. And actually, the more that I thought about it, the more that I thought, actually, that, that's true. But maybe it's more like 10 years have been pushed into 10 months. Maybe what we have seen is the acceleration of numbers of things. And if you haven't seen it yet, don't worry, you're going to see it. 
It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. Can I just say that? It really doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. You will see all of this taking place. Really. And it's going to pop everywhere. People's spirits are going to start popping everywhere. And I don't know what I mean by that, but I just mean it's going to be like suddenly something's going to drop and people are going to go, what in all the earth? Really? So there's been this vortex that's been going on all the time, like a whirlwind. Uh, And we're presently still in that. Um, Although I think we're coming to some of the end of that now. Um, But again, it's it's not unusual that these things are happening because the whole of creation is awaiting the sons of God to be revealed. That's you. That is you. You are the sons of God. The whole of creation is waiting for you to be revealed. Stop waiting for God. He's already here. He lives in you. He's here now. He's done everything. It's all accomplished. It's all finished. It was all done. 2,000 years ago when he cried out, it's finished, it's accomplished, it's all done, my spirit is poured out into the earth. He's never changed his mind. The kingdom of God is coming, it comes into your heart, into your life. It has done already. You were born again. You are a son of God. That is who you are. And the whole of creation is groaning, and we're going to talk about that groan. The whole of creation is groaning because it is awaiting you. It is not awaiting God to do something, only God to do something in and through you. That's what the whole of creation is waiting for. You. So stop waiting for God, because God's waiting for you. Really. So anyway, that was the vortex. You remember that, the vortex. And then previous to that, can you just put that one up there, Matt? The curve, the learning curve. Does anyone remember this word? I don't remember how many years ago this was, uh, but it was probably five, maybe five or six. I don't remember. How many? Six years ago, yeah. And of course, I had a dream in which I saw... And of, of course, it sounds like I put a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, what's the word, emphasis on some of the dreams that I have. But I know that some of the dreams that I have are not me, the God. I just know it's God. Um, and, and I saw, I saw a, not unlike that, going up the side of a mountain. And at the top, there was a, can you put the light, the light on? There was like a, a bulb, a light lit. And it was dimly lit. Do you, do you all remember that? And I was talking to the Lord about that uh, when I got it. And he said, there's going to be a severe learning curve. It's going to be severe. Some of you are not going to like it. It wasn't a particular word that I enjoyed bringing because I remember I could hear groaning even as I brought it. And I've heard groaning for many years after I brought it as well. People going, oh, I think it's that learning curve. And there has been a severe learning curve, and we're having to learn a lot of things that we didn't know from before. We didn't see it, but we've been learning it. And at the top, there's like this lamp of Narnia glowing. And, and then that vision went on, and I don't know if this was all the same year, but it went on, 
And I, I believe that I was taken in some kind of executive bus to... Um, it was all the most influential people in the country, if not in the world. And I was sat in a ring like this, but it was a proper ring. And there were all these people and they were sat around. And for some reason, I was jumping from chair to chair and slapping people awake. And of course, some people were offended. Some people were upset. Some people actually went, ooh, and, and, and just came awake and started... Uh, you could see that something happened. And I think the more that I've thought about these uh, words, we can't, there's an accumulation of these words taking place right now. It's actually coming to life, even as I think about it. And, and yes, we've seen them unfolding during these years, but I've never seen them unfolding as quick as this. This is now becoming quick. And honestly, if you thought you had a lot to learn then, I'm telling you right now, there's new dimensions that you never ever thought you would think about. There's things that you never ever thought that you would take part in. There's things that are going to pop in your spirit that you did not know about that God put inside you years and, well, before you ever got here. He put it all inside you then. And things are going to pop, I'm telling you. So you need to get ready about it. You need to get ready for it. Because in the flesh, we are tired, aren't we? Everything about what is going on is unfamiliar. It's unnerving. It's, it's unknown. We have an uncertainty about things. We don't even know what the new year is going to bring. Some of us are even afraid to say happy new year because we're not sure it's going to be very happy. No, honestly, there's a fatigue in everybody. There's a sadness and a grief. And of course, there may be things going on individually, but this, this is an, a huge pressure, an oppression that is over not only this nation, but all the nations presently. It was a global pandemic. It, well, so-called it was a global pandemic. Well, it's a global press on everybody. So it's something that is unfamiliar to us. And we're feeling it, which is why we need some familiar things as well. You need some familiar things. It's okay. There's a lot of new things going on, but you actually need some familiar things as well. Familiar things are good right now. So don't worry about familiar things because you need them. Um, <clears throat> but all these things, I think, are, are, are taking place. There's new ventures, there's new thoughts, there's new ideas, there's new movements going. There's all sorts, there's new, new communities. I want to tell you right now, I don't know if you know about it, but there's new communities popping up all over this country. Nothing to do with Christians, but to do with people that are finding something in their hearts. To do with people actually are seeing something and going, we want truth. We want righteousness. We want something different. We see that what is going on is not right and we want it. And inside, it is popping in those people, I'm telling you. So there's new communities springing up everywhere. There's new businesses. There's going to be new ventures. There's going to be new ministries. There's going to be all sorts of things that have already started. They've already started. They've already been given birth to many of these things. 
and you will see them and you'll hear them in the months to come, maybe in the years to come, but they all started during this time, let me tell you. So it's not all bad news, there's a lot of good news. There's a lot of good, wonderful things going on. It is just a hard time. And you've got to get to the reality. And I'm going to talk about that as well. Not fantasy, not illusion. We don't live in fantasy. We don't live in illusion. We live reality. The real is painful. It is acutely painful. Reality is painful. But some people are finding out about reality in many different ways right now. So, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to keep on because I can, I can feel like I am keeping back to my notes because I can feel like I could just go off. But, okay, as you know, I have been looking at the man who was uh, born blind at birth in John chapter 9. I've been looking at this for like a year. It's been absolutely like taking me up. Um <clears throat> And we, we could say this. This is a beautiful thing. You know, I, I was thinking about this today. Um, this man, before he could ever see Jesus, before he ever saw Jesus with his eyes, he knew him in his spirit. Do you remember right at the end of the story, there's, there's this little, let me, let me just find it because I, I want to get it right. It's, uh, where are we in? There it is, nine. Um, so the man who was now seeing, this is what Jesus says, 35. Jesus heard that. They had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you now. You understand me? In his spirit, this man already knew Jesus. Where did this man already know Jesus from? You know, there were people around this man who had eyes, who had ears, and could not recognize Jesus at all. But this man had no eyesight, but just listening to his voice, he knew who Jesus was. And in his heart, he'd already said, Lord, Lord, tell me who he is, Lord, Lord, who is this man? Already he was bowing in his heart. Why? Because his spirit already knew Jesus. Why? Because he was already with Jesus from the beginning of time. Before he ever got here, this man who was born blind at birth, but fully seeing before he was blind, knew Jesus. He knew the Father. He knew the Spirit already because in his spirit, he knew him there. And when he heard the voice of Jesus, before he could ever see him, he just recognized, that's you, Lord. I'm with you. He's a prophet. He could, he could tell these people around him that Jesus was a prophet. These people around him who had every faculty couldn't say that. But this guy, he knew. He's a prophet. He's speaking truth. 
He's the Messiah. There's something about him. He knew it all already. You see, this, this is the thing. We have to start living by the Spirit. It says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't say the sons of God are led by their academic potential. It doesn't say that they are led by their mental abilities and powers. It doesn't say any of those things. It says that the people, the the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. That's it. Full stop. And let me tell you that when you're led by the Spirit of God, life is not only different, it is hard. It is hard. Because being led by the Spirit is different to what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears. And lots of people see with their eyes and they hear with their ears, but they make a wrong judgment. They don't make right judgments. They make wrong judgments because they opinionate and think that they know what's going on when they have no knowledge of actually what is going on. You understand me? The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God and you are the sons of God. So you are led by the Spirit of God. You are not led by your mental prowess. You are not led by your academic knowledge. You are not led by any of those things. You are led by the Spirit of God. You are all led by the Spirit of God. Now, listen, we have to start living by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives first and foremost in our spirit, in our heart. And our heart feels as a man feels in his heart, so he is. You understand me? Your heart feels. Your heart thinks. There is something about your spiritual heart that is alive. But you have become so accustomed to thinking through everything logically and reasoning through things that you think that your mind has superiority. Listen to me. Every single person, whether you're listening on there, whether you're listening here, wherever you might be listening, I want to tell you, you have to bow the knee now because you cannot afford to live by your mind anymore. You cannot do it. And I don't mean that you disconnect your mind, but I mean that your mind comes after your spirit, not before it. Really, not before it, after it, after it. And this is a new thing for many people. These are verses that we have quoted, verses that we've said. But listen, now you have to start living by the Spirit, by your heart. You want to do adventures, you want to do ventures, you you want to see the things of God, then that's the only way to live, I'm sorry. Well, actually, I'm not sorry, because that's it right there. I'm not sorry at all. But you could say that this man who was born blind at birth, but seeing before he ever got to birth, this man, he'd already gone through a few matrixes. Can we call it matrixes? In, in, in Psalm 139, it talks about the mother's womb as a matrix. It's an incredible word. That's what it talks about. But before, before we got to our mother's womb that was a matrix, we were in another matrix We were in a wholly different place. Now, you can't remember it, but you can't remember being in your mum's womb either. Can you? I can't remember being in my mum's womb, but I'm told that it was very nice in there. I'm told that it was one of the most protected places that I could ever have been. Had everything. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? But before I ever got to that womb, I was in another womb, the womb of God. And in the womb of God was a different matrix 
a matrix of the Spirit. And yes, I don't remember any of it, but I know this, that I am found in him. I am born of him. I come from him. He is my identity. Everything about my life. Listen, I have been through some dramatic things in my life, good things and bad things, all kind of things. And I could have stopped up after the age that I was 19 years old and gone, my past has been really difficult. It's been difficult and it's been hard and I've gone through a lot of things that were dramatic and traumatic. I could have just gone, that's it, I'm stopping right there, but I didn't. I went, Jesus has made me into a new creation. He's made me into a new creation. He's given me a new heart. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I didn't understand any of those things at that point, but I knew I'd got a new heart. Because I'm a different species. I've come from a different place. So you see, all these things of our past, we, at some point, we have to get to this point where we go, I am a new creation. I'm a new species. I'm from a different place. My dad is fully competent for the whole of my life. Huh? And my dad's my mum. And actually, is anything that he needs to be towards me at any time that, he need, that I need him to be it. Do you understand me? God is spirit. He can, he can do all sorts of things and appear in all sorts of ways and be anyone that you need him to be right when you need him to be it. So he can be your mum, your dad. He can be whatever. Because he loves you and he will be it. Huh? That's beautiful. But I was in a bit different matrix. I had a different thought there. That's what the blind man knew. That's what Jesus did in that passage. He just took him back to the beginning. He took him back to his beginning and reminded him of what he already knew in his spirit. Now, you need to remind yourself of what you already know in your spirit because that's where you came from. Otherwise, it's just a word. It's just a nonsense. If it isn't true and you don't actually know it, it's just a word. But when you know it, it transforms your life. So we need to know this. We need to experience it. This is the truth about where you've come from. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? This is your truth. This is not just my truth. This is yours. So I was in this matrix, and then he, he, he knew when I was going to arrive here. He knew that. He knew when you were going to arrive. He'd got it all worked out. And sure enough, you arrived. You were conceived, and then you were put in your mother's womb, and that was a different matrix. And then when you were delivered out of that, you were delivered into another matrix, that is like, and it's different everywhere, and I've talked about it before. Every nation is different. What you experience is different to what they experience in Nepal. What the Western world experiences to other parts of the world is different. It's a different matrix. Do you understand me? If you went and talked to them and told them what you have, some of them wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't have a place to put it because there's not space in the mind for it. They can't see it. They can't envisage it. It's a different matrix for them. So, that, so, so, so we're, we're at this point now where a lot of these things are coming together. And we, we, we are kingdom people. We're kingdom people. We're not, of course, we're, we're, we're citizens of England, but you're citizens of heaven first and foremost. It's his kingdom that you are part of first and foremost. Do you understand me? Yes, I'm, 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 I'm a patriot. But I'm not only a patriot here, I'm a patriot to the kingdom of God, I'm telling you. That's where my citizenship is from and yours too. 
But listen, listen to this. I just want to give you these verses because I've, I've gone up too fast. Just as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy. That means set apart and made whole. Without blame, not feeling or knowing blame or shame. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Before him in love. You're meant to be in love with him. This is not, this is not a religion. This is a life. This is a love relationship with Jesus. And we have done a lot of talking. We've done a lot of revelation seeking. And we've done a lot of all those things. But I tell you what, we actually need a relationship with Jesus. We need to be in love with Jesus. We need to spend some time with Jesus. Oh yes, he's thankful for your prayers. And he's thankful for your prayers. He's thankful for all those things. But I want to tell you what he's waiting for. He's waiting for you to love him with all your heart because that's what you were predestined to to be in love with him to actually talk to him to give him your heart everything that we have learned in discipleship in submission in giving our lives in the end it's all about to Jesus do you understand me that's where it all leads us to Jesus we're in love with Jesus this is what it says in uh, the Mirror Bible, it says, He engineered us from the start to fit the model of sonship and likeness according to the exact blueprint of His design. We see the original and intended shape of our lives preserved in His Son. So what's he saying? When we look at Jesus, we see the original blueprint that when the Father thought about you and me, that's the original blueprint. Right there, Jesus is the original blueprint. So when he thought about you, Jesus came up and he went, that's it, that is how they're going to be. In character, in, in flow, in expression, in the love, that right there is the original blueprint and that's what you are there. You're you but you're the same. Huh? Beautiful. He is the firstborn from the same womb that reveals our genesis. Isn't that beautiful? From the same womb that reveals our genesis. He confirms that we are the invention of God. Wow, beautiful. So, this guy, when he came into this matrix, into this place, he was blind. He was blind to some aspects of some things. Well, you're blind as well. Yes, of course. He's given you eyes to see and he's given you ears to hear. But still there are things that you don't see and there's things that you don't hear. Just like there's things that I don't see and things that I don't hear. Listen, it's good for us all to go, I don't know everything. I don't know all things. I can't do everything. It's a really beautiful place to be at. I just can't do everything. I don't know everything. I want to learn Jesus. I want to discover all different aspects of what you have done for me. I want to discover it, Lord. I don't know it. I want to discover it. Humble is the name of the door to go through. Humble, humility. All things are possible. All things belong to you. All things are yours. But right now, some of them are available, available to you. And some you see and others you don't. But I want to tell you, you can ask him, Lord, I want to see. 
I want to see more. I want to see some things that I'm missing right now. You see, we don't want to do that, though, because when we do it, reality comes. You see, if you, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to see, then you're also going to see reality. And I hear people singing, you know, open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Open our ears, Lord. Yes, okay. That's beautiful. But the more that you see and the more that you hear, the more you understand reality as well. The more you come into tension. Really. There's just more and more tension, isn't there? And you guys know all this. And listen, this word is not just for you, all right? This word is going to pop in other people's lives and hearts all over that are listening to it. It's going to pop. I'm telling you. It's going to be alarm that goes off in the spirit because we need to start seeing again. Some of us have shut down seeing. We've shut down hearing. We've shut down because we don't like reality. We don't like to look it. We don't like how acute it is. We don't like anything. We want to go back under that duvet. I want to tell you the duvet is coming off right now this year. It's coming off and you will not go under that duvet again. You are going to see whether you want to see or not. So you better get ready for it in the spirit, okay? You better all get ready for it because whether you agree with me or not, you are going to see some things this year that you have never, ever seen before in your life as I am. So we better get ready in the spirit for it. Really. This is what the blind man said to the guys around him. He said this. The man answered, I am amazed that you just cannot see this. How can you not perceive where he is from? I mean, hello, he opened my eyes. This, this guy who was blind is going, how the heck did you not manage to see who he really is? And this guy, before he could see, knew who he was. Wow, he knew in his spirit. You can know in your spirit. Deep calls unto deep. The spirit calls to your spirit right now. I just, I just put this, you know, what is, what is prophecy really? What is a prophet? And I just put this, Jesus takes the past in which there has been life. You put to death by the spirit the things that bring forth no life. That's what you do. So in the past, you put some of the things to death that bring forth no life. But Jesus redeems everything else. And then he gives it to you as a present. It's your present. Do you understand me? He doesn't go, I don't like your past. Your past is a nonsense. I don't like it. I want to get rid of it. He doesn't do that. He goes, I'm going to take that and I'm going to redeem all of that. And you're going to give these bits of it to death. Give it away because you don't want it anymore. Because you're a new creation now. And then he hands you your present. And then... What do I put here? It is a present because it is a present. And having seen and placed the future in us causes the future to come through us wrapped in the present. That's what he does. You can have these notes afterwards because they're sublime. Some of these things are sublime. Not because I wrote them, because he gave me them. That's that's a beautiful thing in it. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying he gave me them. I know that he gave me some of this stuff. So, 
This is what Jesus said about this man. He says, John 9, verse 2, he says, Not, that, not this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God may be revealed in him. So right now, the works of God have been revealed in you. Let's get away from the sin. The sin's all been dealt with. That's what Jesus did. He dealt with everything on the cross. It's all dealt with. It's not a big deal, is it? Because it's all dealt with already. We're new creations, and we've got a new life. He's taken all the sin. But some of you need to step into that because you're not really in it. You still hang on to this false humility because Jesus has gone, I've given you everything that you need for a whole new life. Why do you keep insisting? Why do you insist in mentioning all the time your sin and all that you've done? Yes, you can confess your sin, but once you've confessed your sin, you're walking in new life. Get into new life. Live in new life. He said that the works of God may be revealed. That's what he wants to do. Reveal the works of God in your life, in my life. Okay, I just want to go to this because I don't know if you ever remember me saying this, but a few, a few not, it must have been months ago now, but around the top of the airport and those that live around the top of the airport know this, that sometimes there's an awful stench. It's a horrible stench around the top of the airport and it's like it's like the stench of death and for a number of months it was just hanging there and one day I went for a walk and I walked around the top of the airport and the, the it was a little bit foggy a little bit misty and it was just in the air and it was like I came home and my, my clothes smelled of this and I, I took my coat off and I thought oh that'd be all right and I'm going no it isn't all right I can still smell it in the end, I had to take all my clothes off and have a complete shower because the smell of it just hung all over my clothes. And I felt like the Lord says, that's the smell right now in my nostrils. That smell, Paul, is like the smell that I am smelling from the world right now. It's just hanging in my nostrils. And it, it made me think about the the stench of death. And Lazarus, of course. And I was thinking about Lazarus. And this is why he says, your dear friend is sick. So, on, let me take this off because I'm getting warm now. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Um, your dear friend is sick. This is uh, 11 verse 2, John 11 verse 2. The one whom Jesus loved was sick. So Lazarus was a dear friend, and he was the one who he loved. But this sickness is not to face death, but to face to face with God and overcome and live beyond and above it. That's what it says in the mirror Bible. It's beautiful, isn't it? So Jesus says, but this sickness is not to death, but to face to face with God and overcome and live beyond and above it. And the I am will be glorified. That's John 11, verse 2 to 4. Whatever you've been going through and are presently going through, it's all about face-to-face -face with God. Everything is about face-to-face -face with God. It's not face-to-face -face with anyone else. It's face-to-face -face with God. Everything that you're going through presently. 
And then, of course, there's a wait. We've been waiting. We're waiting. It feels like we're waiting for something. We're waiting. We're always waiting for something. When Jesus heard about Lazarus, it says this. He remained where he was for another two days. Hang on a minute, Jesus. It's all going pear-shaped. Lazarus, your great friend, the one that you love, is dying. What, you're going to wait another two days? Yep, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Why are you waiting, Jesus? What's going on in the wait? And maybe he's waiting for us to find ourselves. Maybe he's waiting for us to find our identity. Who we really are in him. Who he is in us. Our place, our home. Maybe he's waiting for that. Because everything else has been done. Everything has been done. It's finished. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You just have to find what it means to be. And find that being in him and with him. That's it, isn't it? I just put this. He's waiting for you to become conscious again. He's waiting for all of us to become conscious again. And I'm talking to people that are woken up. But we're not really awake. We're still unconscious. He's waiting for us to become conscious again. And it's frightening to become conscious because we begin to see reality. And we don't want to. We don't want to become aware of the real because we've told ourselves another story. We've tried to create a fantasy, a narrative that sounds good and makes us feel better about ourselves, even in all that's going on. We're always, and it's, it's, it's okay to find, find something that's good. But listen, there's reality. And then there's fantasy. And reality doesn't always look good. It doesn't feel good. It's acutely painful to be real. Acutely painful. Truth screaming from us, from every place that surrounds us. But we just don't want to see it. We don't want to acknowledge it. We don't want to say sorry about it. Nor do we want to take responsibility for it. We're waiting for other people, for something else, for God. And the real cause is just to groan, to moan within us. Has anyone felt that? Have you felt that? Because sometimes when you can't pray, there's just a groan, isn't there? There's just a moan. I felt that so many times, just that moan. And not just in the last two years, but in many, many years, groaning and moaning for things that I didn't understand, I didn't know. But the spirit groans in us. And you've got to allow that groan. You've got to allow that expression that is in you to come out of you. This is not church anymore. It's way past that time. It's way past it. This is the time for real. This is the time for everything that is God. This is the time. We want our kids to learn something real. Not some religious thing, but reality. But reality comes and then we have to find. You see, this is what's happened. Reality is coming whether we like it or not. It's just hitting us. And the thing is, we're all in the boat whether we like it or not. You know, I know, I know Jesus says you, you can get in or stay out. But really he meant you're getting in and you're staying in. 
and we're going to the other side. And you remember the disciples, they all, they all got in the boat, hey, great, we're off with Jesus to the other side. And then he falls asleep on a pillow, you remember this. I, this story is a beautiful story, isn't it? No, it's not. Anyway, he gets in, and they all get in with him, and what happens? There's a storm. These are grown men in a storm who were going, Jesus, we're going to drown. That's how bad the storm became. So they're frightened. This is not just a story. This is a real thing that happened. And they're in the middle of the sea, and they're frightened, and there is Jesus sleeping because he's got this knowing. And you go, well, it's Jesus. No, no, Jesus you were designed in the very same image as Jesus. He's, he's the original blueprint. And when the Father looks at you, he goes, you can just be like he is by the Spirit. You can be like that. Like Jesus was on the boat. And I'm telling you, it is scary to live where Jesus lives. It is scary. Because actually, you do get to a point where you stop breathing and he is breathing for you. That's a different place altogether. Believe me, honestly, it really is. It is scary because you realize that he is actually breathing for you right now, Paul. Because otherwise you'd be dead. Wow. But I'm never going to die. I'm never, ever going to die. Because that is a lie as well. It's a lie that we all swallowed. You're not going to die. You're never going to die again. Those people that went before you, they aren't died. They haven't died. They're alive in Christ. That's the good news that's surrounding us. There's angels and heavenly hosts here right now. There's people listening in right now. Right now, honestly. They're listening. They're here. This is not, this is real. We just have to get into a different place. This is not theology anymore. This is life. And theology is knowing God. But it's not the cold type of academic theology. That's what I mean. This is life. This is our life now. So he's resting his head on the pillow. He's asleep. There's a storm coming on. And of course, we know what happens. And they get to the other side and they get out of the boat. And they go, it's wonderful that we're at the other side of the... And the Lord said to me, but Paul, what did they meet at the other side? Well, they met, they met the most demonic situation that they'd ever been in. Really. And of course, I see it as, you know, it says that there were over 2,000 demons like manifesting themselves through this guy. Okay, this guy's got some big problems. There's all sorts of things. They've put him so far away that no one wants to talk to him. Uh, socially, he's out of it. Religiously, he's, he's just out of it, completely out of it. All sorts of issues, all sorts of difficulties. And he comes running and falling be before Jesus. We know the story. What I mean is they got out of the storm only to be met by 2,000 demons screaming and shouting. Huh? Yeah, well, maybe we just went over the lake, got out of the boat and went, phew. But now we're met with 2,021 demons that have been screaming at us from all over the world. Big ones. Big ones. And we've gone, no, no, it's all right. Everything's going to be all right. Peace, peace. Everything's going to be okay. I tell you what, there is no peace. There is no peace. There's peace here. There's peace here. But right now, we're in the midst of the biggest warfare that we've ever seen. And this is psychological. There's a psychosis of fear right now across every nation. It's a psychosis of fear, a narrative of fear. That's what's been going on. 
For two years, just fear, fear, terror, death. When did you ever hear about death every day of your life? Huh? When? The last two years you heard about it. Huh? A psychosis, psychological warfare has been done on your mind. Psychological warfare. Huh? Nothing less than that. I'm telling you. And it's time it started popping for people now. It's time it started popping. Because our children and our children's children are caught up in this. And it's not going away before people start standing up and saying what they actually believe and what they really mean. And yes, there's many things you can do, but before you can do the external, you've got to do the internal. You understand me? You've got to do the internal. Something's got to happen inside us. But yeah, this is what they were doing. And then, of course, they got into the boat after that and went across the lake again. Who knows what we're waiting for them at the other side there. But it seems a strange thing. I mean, I was, I was looking at this. In John, John 11, the story of Lazarus. You're all right, aren't you? Is everyone all right? Okay, because I haven't shared for a while, so I thought I'd share all at once for about four hours. <laughs> but John 11, verse 7 uh, it's, it's, this is what he said. So Lazarus, he's been there two days now. And then Jesus says, so he's waited two days. So he's waiting. What's he waiting for? Well, maybe he's waiting for some things to happen in people's hearts. Maybe he's waiting for some things to come up. Some thoughts, some theology, some theological positions to come forth. Maybe he's waiting for all these kind of things to happen. I don't know, but he's waiting two days. And then he goes, let's go to Judea again. No, Jesus, that's not a good idea. That is not a good idea. Jesus, don't you know that in Judea they tried to stone you just a few days ago? But Jesus is going, we're going back to Judea. Yeah, no, Jesus, that's the wrong way. We need to go a different way. Why is Jesus doing this? Why is he allowing them to go through these things? Because the whole point of your life is that you would be an overcomer. The whole point of your life is that you will be someone that goes above and beyond and sees things in a different way. The whole point of your life is that you have been transformed into the image of Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's the whole point of your life. That is why you and I are here right now. It's not so we can have nice meetings, although we love nice meetings. It's not so that we can have Bible studies or prayer meetings for that matter. The whole point of your life is that you were transformed into the image of Jesus. That's the whole point of my life. And if that don't happen, I might as well die. Do you understand me? Because there's nothing else for me. I don't want anything else. Do you want something else? Do you want to live a life of comfortable luxury and do absolutely nothing and see nothing of God? Huh? What do you want in life? Let's go to Judea again. Overcomers going beyond, above and beyond. Oh, Lord. And then he says, our friend Lazarus is not dead, but he sleeps and I go to wake him. I go to wake him. He's in you to awaken you. He's in you to awaken you. Thank you, Jesus. Awaken us, Lord. 
Awaken us, Jesus, like we've never been awoke before. Awake us, Lord. Please, Jesus. Wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Recently, I, I felt the Spirit of God asking me what I was seeing, because occasionally he asks me what I'm seeing. He does actually ask me what I'm seeing, because it means something to him. And I said to him, Lord, I see a lot of people who are unwilling to say sorry. I see a lot of people who are unwilling to acknowledge the reality of what is going on. I see a lot of people who are stubborn and have a refusal in the heart to be obedient to your voice, Jesus. That's what I see. I see people who say that they are children of God and yet are not led by your spirit, but they're led by something else. And they're making judgments and they're opinionating and they're saying things that are not what you would say. And a lot of that is from fear. Now listen, this is interesting. Martha comes to him and she says, I know. She's got it. This girl's got it. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's good. That's good, Martha. It's the right words. Theologically, brilliantly said. But Jesus just scrubs it all and goes, no, actually, Martha, he knows me. He'll never, ever die. Full stop, period. He'll never die. It only looks like he's dead, but he ain't dead. Because immortality is what we are called to. Do you understand that? You are not going to die again. All right, so something might happen with your body. But, but you are not your body. Your body's part of you, but you're not your body. You're something more than your body. Do you understand me? The feelings that you have come from another place. The thoughts you have. The ideas that you have. It didn't come from your flesh. It came from some other place. What is that other place? Yes, it comes from your heart. Your heart is alive. It's full of energy. It's full of life. If you knew just the energy that's radiating out of me right now is filling this place. Really, it fills this whole place, just the energy out of me right now. There's nowhere you can go to get away from this energy. I want to tell you, it's flowing out of my heart, honestly. And even if you block your ears, it's still going to come and invade your space everywhere. No, it is, honestly. Your heart is living. It is an amazing, beautiful thing that God has given to you. That is where you are living from. Your spirit is alive in Christ. It will never, ever die. And yet everyone is scared, terrorized of death. <gasps> oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh, my Lord. Whenever did we get so frightened about such a thing as this? Huh? Come on now. Come on. Right now, right now, the whole country is like, ooh, 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 we've got another variant. Yeah, we have these variants every year, don't we? Every year these variants come. Huh? If we did this every year, we'd shut everything down. My Lord, what is going on? And yes, you can broadcast it everywhere. Send it to Boris Johnson. Huh? Send it to the government. Yeah. I already sent two things to Boris. He's probably not listened to them. 
But really, are you not tired of this nonsense yet? Are you not tired of it? Come on, your spirit is alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. Jesus. He is your life right now. There's nowhere else. That's where we have to be, in him. And you see, if you're in him, then the fears begin to get shown to you. The reality of those fears, those insecurities, yeah? He wants you to deal with them. You're not going to get away with it. Do you understand me? He wants to deal with those things. And all we have to do is go, Lord, what have I allowed to take over my life? What have I allowed to take over my thoughts? How have I allowed the son of a murderer, the messenger, to come into the door of my mind and give me a one-shot narrative for two years that says death, 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 death. How have I allowed that to happen in my mind? It's like I opened the door to the thief himself and said, don't only come in and thieve, come and murder me. Huh? My Lord. Honestly. Do you remember that story, Elisha? I don't know what he'd been doing, but he'd been causing some trouble. He'd been causing good trouble in the kingdom of Israel. And it says, he sat down with the elders. And this is 2, two Kings chapter 6 and somewhere around about verse 30. And it says, actually, did I actually write this down? I may have, I may have written this down. Oh, yeah, I've missed a bit. It says, but Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, Elisha, he said to the elders, do you see how the son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. Well, I don't want to talk about messenger, but media is a messenger. Do you understand me? A media is a messenger to money. Media is a messenger to another master. Media is not a messenger to Jesus. Media does not speak the voice of God. The government does not speak the voice of God. It just doesn't. And along came the son of a murderer. Because the king, the, the, the king who was out to kill and steal and destroy, sent this messenger ahead of him because he was coming because he wanted to kill Elisha. He wanted to murder Elisha. Not just, it wasn't just that he wanted to take something from him or rob something from him. It was that he actually wanted to kill him. Now, I want to tell you that it says very clearly in this book that there is someone that is wanting to come after my life because he hates the saints. You understand me? There's a war against the saints. It's a war against the saints. But the saints are not standing up anywhere to what, this is go- to what is going on. Maybe they are, but it's only just, I'm telling you. It's only just. 
Because everyone's trembling in fear. Because fear's been the messenger all the time. It's a narrative that has happened the whole time. There was a messenger sent with a message. The messenger came from a murderer. The message was designed to take away my head. For the access point has to be shut to the murderer and it has to be held fast. You have to hold fast to the message. Shut the door to the message. Five, know that if you don't, that right behind the message is a murderer who comes to kill and steal and destroy not only your life, but the lives of your children and your children's children. I call it a psychosis of fear. There's a proper psychosis of fear that has hit this nation and other nations, and we have never seen anything like it. It's psychological warfare. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Organized brainwashing. And actually, can I just tell you what it is? It's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. And I don't care who said it. It's witchcraft. It's control, manipulation, and coercion. It's nothing to do with the Spirit of God. Absolutely nothing to do with the Spirit of God. Because we know Jesus wanted a control freak. He wanted a manipulator. And he didn't coerce people. He came with the truth, told the truth, and said it's up to you. And it is up to you. And I want to say this as well. I'm not telling anyone what they should do. You've got a mind of your own. You've got a heart of your own. He's your boss. He's your teacher. He's the one that anoints you. All I share is what I believe that he gave to me. You have to do what you have to do. And that's fine by me. I respect it. As long as you know what you're doing and you're not doing it just because you're in a psychosis of fear and everybody else is telling you to do it because you are the sheep. You're the ones that hear his voice. You're the sons of God who are led by the Spirit of God. You have got resurrection power inside of you. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of the life of God. And none of this stuff should be causing you to tremble as though you have nothing. None of it. Shut the door to all the fear. Shut the door internally first. Then, externally, we can do something, huh? And really, I'm not telling you what to do. I am. I'm only telling you what I believe myself and what I believe to be true. You can do whatever you like. But someone's got to start standing up for some of what's going on. Because our kids and our grandkids are going to be under a burden that you've never known. You've never known a burden like it. But anyway, we'll just let him pop a little bit. And it's okay. I, I, I know that some people are going to be upset at me. That's okay. You'd be upset if you want. I don't mind. But somehow, you have to look at reality. Because if you don't, it's going to do something to your mind. It's going to actually do something to your mind. Do you understand me? It's going to change you in a way that is irreparable if you allow it to carry on. Mm-hmm. 
Christ is the life. You can't kill him. You can't finish him off. Doesn't how much you it doesn't matter how much you threaten him, try to control him, try to con con manipulate him. He'll never manage to put his life to death. And his life is in you. He'll never manage to kill it. That's what we have to know, isn't it? This life that is given you can't die. It can only be given up. And then it multiplies. You give up your life, you give it up, it multiplies. I mean, this is interesting, isn't it? Remember the 72 disciples who had been following Jesus. And then he began to share the truth about his relationship. And he said this, you must, you must drink my blood and eat my flesh. You remember that in John 6? And really he's going, you know what? There's a deeper relationship. And you have to find the deeper relationship. And they were really upset with him. No, no, we can't do it. This was 72 of his best followers. And they went, no, no, we can't do that. He said, no, no, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, then actually you won't, have, you won't be able to participate in me. Because he was saying this is a relationship. It's an actual relationship that we have. And now the relationship has got to go deeper because there's another dimension. There's another place to go. This is what it says. I mean, I love the Mirror Bible. It says this, the eating of my flesh and the drinking of my blood is the celebration of our seamless union. It's the celebration of our seamless union. That's what Jesus is saying. You in me and I in you because you won't find you until you find me. Love it. Huh? So he's going, come on, come deeper. I want you to come deeper because the only way you're going to live through this is come deeper with me. Spend some time with me. You remember the Last Supper, Jesus washing the disciples' feet when he took off his robe and said to Simon Peter, If I do not wash you, then you have no part in me. He was going, Come on, it's it's a part of our relationship. I have to know what's going on in your life because I want you to know what's going on. You have to be this vulnerable and this transparent. And all they were doing were taking the shoes and socks off. I mean, for goodness sake, all they were doing were taking the shoes and socks off and they're going, no, no, Jesus, you can't do it. And Jesus is going, yes, yes, I can do it because if I don't do it, we don't have this union. We don't have this relationship in the way that we could have it. Huh? That's where we're going, isn't it? That's where we're going. And then you remember Mary Magdalena, his best friend in the world. The only, the only person that actually understood what Jesus was going to do. Yes, it, it was a woman, a beautiful woman, who actually understood what Jesus was there to do. And he celebrated her. And he loved her. Her name was Mary Magdalena. And she met him at the tomb. And she thought he was the gardener. You remember this, don't you? And indeed, he is the vine dresser, isn't he? And he's the husbandman. He is both those things. But do you remember Jesus said to this, do not cling to me yet, for I have not yet ascended. This is beautiful. When the Lord spoke this to me the last time, it was just like, okay, she's just met him. He's been through all that he's been through. And now he's going to a different dimension. He's ascending. And there's got to be an ascension. There's got to be a wake up. There's got to be a consciousness that comes to us where we actually begin to ascend. Where our minds don't stay. They don't descend, they ascend. Where our hearts ascend. And Jesus is going, no, no, you can't cling to me because, Mary, 
I'm going to a new dimension, and as I go to this new dimension, you also will go to a new dimension. But don't cling to me. Because she loved him, she wanted him. She wanted to hold him and embrace him and keep him because this is how she knew him. And he's going, no, no, this is not how you're going to know me anymore. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. Now, let go of me, because that's really what you're saying. Don't cling to me. Let go of me and let me ascend because if I ascend, you also will ascend with me to be where I am. Now, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And I just go, yeah, that's, that's what's happening right now. Somehow, you've got to go, oh, Father, I want, I want my spirit to ascend. I want my mind to begin to ascend because I'm trying to hold on to things that have been that are not. They are not any longer. And I've got to see the reality of it. But at the same time, I want to ascend to a different place. I want to see what's actually going on. She just wanted to love him, to keep him, to hold on to him, to know him as she'd known him. After all, she was his best friend, his closest companion. But it didn't matter. She didn't own him. He didn't belong to her. She had to let go. Love does not possess. It does not control. It does not cling. It doesn't refuse to let go. If it's truly love and real love, it's freedom in its very nature. You understand me? Love is freedom in its very nature. Anything else is not love. Now I was thinking about these new aspects. I'm nearly finished, all right? New aspects, new dimensions. He can awaken you and open your eyes and ears to whole new dimensions of life. He's anointed you and he does enlighten you. You can see if you'd like to. You can see. If you'd like to, you can see. But you're going to see reality. And then you're going to see dimensions beyond. This is what it says in 1 John 2, 27, you know it. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing is not outside you, it's inside you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Because that doesn't mean that there's teachers, that there aren't teachers. There are teachers, but the anointing's teaching you. I'm not teaching you anything. I'm not actually able to do anything in your life. The Spirit teaches you. When you are taught, uh, it means that when you are taught, the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning, listen, all things, all things, what things? All things. And is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's the goal, to abide in him. But he is your teacher and he can show you all things. So you can ask him to see new things. You can ask him, what is the truth? So tonight, whatever you're feeling about what I've said, you can go away and you can ask Jesus yourself. Ask him, Lord, what is going on? Show me what is happening. Show me so that I know. Show me for my children's sake and my children's children's sake. Show me.
As he teaches you, he shows you reality, not fantasy. And once you've accepted reality, then he will release to you possibility through faith and love. That's what he does. And then, of course, the voices that we've been listening to. You see, Lazarus heard the voice of God and stood up. You understand me? There was a lot of other voices that were all going on outside the tomb. There were all sorts of crying and all sorts of things happening. But as soon as he heard the voice of Jesus, he stood up. And that's what we need to do. We need to stand up. We need to stand up because he's speaking to us. He's speaking. Just one last thing, the groaning. This is what it says about the groaning. This is interesting. Still in Lazarus 11.33, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who were with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And in Romans 8, verse 22, it says this, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. You know, I've walked up my road, up by the airport there. I'm telling you, the whole of creation is groaning. It's groaning right now. Everything is groaning. It is heavy with groans. Really, it's like I can hear it in the fields as I look around. And there's a groan. And it's not just there, it's in me as well. A groan. Listen to this. This is brilliant, this one. We sense the global agony and pain recorded in history until this very moment. We ourselves feel the grief which echoes within us while we are ready to embrace the original blueprint. That's fantastic, isn't it? The full consequences of our sonship. In other words, there's a groan going on because we're, we're not only seeing what has gone on in history, we're beginning to feel the weight of it. We're beginning to understand something is going on that is much bigger than we are separately, individually. We see it, we feel it, we groan. And at the same time, we're groaning because we're awaiting this full revelation of sonship. And of course, you don't have to wait any longer. You just have to say yes. That's all you have to do. Yes, Lord. Jesus groaned. I'm groaning. I think, who's, who's been groaning? Anyone been groaning? Let's see if, what, what kind of groans has been going on. No, I mean, I think it's good to actually like identify it because it's like there is a groan going on. And it's a groan of grief. It's a groan of all sorts of things. But there's something going on. And it's much bigger than we are. But anyway, if you wanted something just to look at. Um, because what can we do? There's many things that we can do. There's lots of things that we can do externally. Believe me. There are things that you can do externally to change what is going on. But before you can change anything externally, you've got to know where it's coming from internally. You've got to know that. You know, and I've, I've had some fascinating insights. You know, I, I don't know who was with me. I don't remember. But when I was in Paraguay and I went to see that 
the guy that was like the cartel leader for, who was the ex-cartel leader who'd asked to see me. And I went to the top of his apartment and top of the apartment block. Oh, Steve was with me. Were you with me, Steve? And I, I, I always remember, I had this fantastic word for this guy that Jesus had given me. Fantastic. It was really a beautiful word. But the more that I heard him, the more I went, are you sure, Lord? Are you sure? Are you sure it's really for him? This man, this murderer, this man that's stolen money, that's taken all sorts of things that like, I think he owned the seventh of Paraguay or something. He'd, he'd been corrupt and all sorts of things had gone on in his life. And I had a beautiful word. I did share it with him, but he just couldn't receive it. He couldn't receive it. But it was difficult for me to give him it. But this is what I found out, that even though, you see, even though you see, and I'm, I'm not angry with you, I'm not angry with anyone here. I'm not angry with any one person anywhere, not even Boris. Honestly, God loves Boris. God loves the government. God loves everyone. God's got the same plan for them as he has for me. I don't have any hate or malice or resentment or that I want to kill any of these people. I don't. I don't have any of that in me. But I know that they have got to come to reality. Justice has got to come. Righteousness has got to come upon the face of the earth. And not just with them, but with all of us. We've got to awaken again to something different. We've got to see it. And yes, of course, there's a righteous anger me, and that's a different thing to like wanting to punch someone's lights out. There's a righteous anger inside of me because I see that things are not right. And I want justice. But to get justice, you've got to stand up. You've got to say something. You've got to do something. You can't just go to sleep. You can't just go, someone else is going to do it. We'll wait for God to do something. We'll wait for someone else to do it. Someone's going to do this. Someone's going to do that. No, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What about your life and your children's lives and your children's children's lives? Somewhere we've got to awaken again to something else. And I think there's going to be some beautiful moments, some beautiful new moments coming. There's, there's already things that are here, new ventures, new, new, new things that are birthed in people. There's people out there that I call are the Corneliuses, the ones that have awoken. They are awake and they're seeing something and something shouting on the inside of them. And yes, they don't yet know Jesus, but they will. And it'll be easy. Because they're already there, I'm telling you. And there'll be thousands of them, thousands of them coming. But what about the church? What about the bride of Christ? Who's to love the bridegroom? What about, what about us? Where are we in everything that's going on? Hmm? So yes, can you just put that thing up there, Matt? There's, uh, there's 13 things that I think are important. As we go into the new year. Yeah, if you want to take a picture of them, you can. Because, of course, it's easier to take a picture, isn't it? But you can also get the notes. Of course, number one is that we have to enter this pool that we've, that we've been talking about for so long. And the pool is in you. The source of God is in you. 
but you have to enter into that consciousness of who you really are in God, in Christ. You have to be in that pool. The pool of the Father's love that is on the inside of you. We have to remind ourselves of the past, back to the beginning, who we really are, who you really are. You're valuable. You're a beautiful person. You were valuable. You're precious. You were, you were seen before. Remind yourself of your past. Find your identity. And then wash the dirt, the clay. That's, that's what we've got to do. We've got to have these times with Jesus where we're washing the clay away from our eyes. Wash it away. The dirt and the clay. We have to shut that door of fear and terror. You have to shut it. Because honestly, you have been terrorized. Properly terrorized. See the real reality. Not the fantasy or the illusion, but see the real and we are start listening to the prophetic word of God because God's got a voice and he speaks and he's never stopped speaking. But sometimes we just turn off to it because we don't like it. We don't like to listen to what God's saying because it doesn't sit with us because we're listening to a different narrative, a different thing. Let the groan go. Some of us need to do that. Every so often you need to let the groan go. You need to let the cry out. Familiar things we need as well. That psychosis of fear has done something to your brain. You need some familiar things. Some things that are, you, know, you know have helped you in the past. You need it. Familiar things, not just unfamiliar, not just new. Everyone brings out, a good, a good teacher brings out both the old and the new. Experiential expressions, actually knowing Jesus. We have to know him. And we all know that, don't we? I mean, how simple is that? We, we have to know him. You have to actually know him. New creative dimensions, belief for that, the coming. And new ventures, celebrating life. You remember after, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, they had a massive party. We have to celebrate life. Every time there is something wonderful, every time there's something good, we have to celebrate it. We have to remember it and celebrate it and thank God for it. Um, what's coming? What's coming? Treacheries, betrayals, more lies, more psychological warfare, many deaths, but not from COVID, inflation, financial crash, terrible results of the lockdown. The end of all mainstream media is going to come eventually, I'm absolutely sure. The mainstream media which carries any integrity or doesn't carry any integrity. The ones that don't carry integrity, they're going to disappear, hopefully. Terrible revelations of great wickedness are going to come. You're going to hear them. They're going to get more. But you've got to get ready for this in your spirit. Your heart is not going to faint. You're going to be strong in your spirit. But also what's coming is greater light, more exposure than ever before. The beginnings of justice that are going to unfold on a global scale, I'm absolutely sure about it. New possibilities and futures, new finance, I think we're going to see new finance. Awakening on a scale never seen before, new health services, it's coming, I believe it honestly. New health services, 
media outlets, new kinds of business, home education. Because eventually, of course, a lot of people will go, well, if this is what's happening in our schools, we're going to have to do something different. That's already beginning to happen, actually. Um, new type of communities is happening everywhere, which is really exciting. I mean it. Yeah, and you, the thing is that most people have not heard about any of this stuff, but I want to tell you, it's going on massively across the country. New communities, people who actually care for one another, people who are going to help one another. All right, if all the shops close, if all the banks shut down, there's going to be a different alternative. People are going to look after each other, honestly. It's going to happen. New solutions to old problems, the beginnings of new government, I'm sure. And the true sons of God are going to be revealed. Amen? Really? And yeah, I mean, what am I? I, I just know that I know some things and I see some things. And yes, we'll see it, honestly. You're going to see it more and more. And of course, it's very general, isn't it? But we're going to see it and we'll know it properly. Matt, can you just put that? I just wanted him to put this. I don't know if we actually need the pictures, but we can. Oh, we, we might do just because of the, the words on it. But I just thought it might be a nice. Shall we just pray together? Let's just before he puts that on, let's just pray together. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you so much for your love to us. Your incredible, everlasting, beautiful, wonderful love that is constant, Lord. Constantly flowing towards us. And Father, I... We talk about years, but the seasons as well, Father. We know that heaven has just got one big season. And it's just a beautiful season all the time. And you said, Father, you want heaven on earth. And we agree with that, Lord. We want heaven on earth, Lord. That is the prayer of our hearts, Lord, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, Father. That's our prayer, Father. And that you would be glorified, Father. Lord, we, we cry out, Father, in so many different ways at this time, Lord. And I know that people are tired, Father. They feel exhausted, Lord. There is a fatigue that is like an oppressive thing upon us all, Father. But, Lord, we're reaching out right now, Father, by your Spirit. We're reaching out, as it were, Father, just reaching to you, Father. Reaching out in faith, Father. You are within us, Lord. But we're reaching out to take more of your kingdom, Father, and bring it here to the earth, Lord. That's what we want, Father. You are holy, Father. You are beautiful. We love you, Lord. Father, anything that I have said, Lord, at all that is not helpful, and let it be forgotten as it were, Lord. 
But anything, Father, that you want to actually lay into the hearts of your children, Father, your sons and your daughters, Father, into the minds, Father, I ask that it would pop. It would pop, Father. Lord Jesus. And those groans, Lord, because I see, Father, even as I look around, Lord, that there is a heaviness, Father, in, on people, and it's, there's been a mental oppression, Father, on many people. But, Father, I just release those groans, Father. We release them not just here, Lord, not just in this house, but in all the related houses, Father, in all your church, Lord. We release those groans, Father. And we say, Lord, we, we, we want to give you our own groans as well, Lord. The things that we don't know even how to speak, Father, and utter. Lord, we want to give those things to you, Lord. And we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would help us in our weakness, Lord. Help us, Lord, to give these things to you, Lord. And the oppression that has pressed us down, Lord. We want to give that as well, Father. And the fear that has terrorized us, Lord. That we've heard every day, Father, as though it's been uh, spoken from the top of a castle wall, Father, and just spoken everywhere, Father. Lord, that fear and that terror, Lord, we just say we're going to close the door to it, Father. Whatever that means for any of us, Lord, we just allow you to speak to us, Lord. We want to close that door and hold it fast, Father. No more fear and no more terror, Father. And Lord, more than anything, we want to hear and know your voice, Jesus, in our hearts, Lord. And we thank you, Father. And Lord, if that word is fighting, Lord, and Father, I believe it is, Lord, it's like a, it's like a fight. There's a fight with our minds, Father. If it's fighting, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help it reach the place that it needs to be in us, Lord, in our actual being, Father. Help it. Help us to reach that place, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name, Lord. And Father, we thank you for all our brothers and sisters, Lord, around the world, Father. And we speak blessing on them in the name of Jesus. We speak love to them, Father, at this time. And Lord, we send them our kisses. We send them our kisses, Lord, from our heart, Father. We say that we love them. And we bless. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And we love you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now surround us, Lord, and embrace us in your love, Lord. We thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name, Lord.